When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is time for the Mainland Podcast. This is episode number 338. I'm Michael Citro, and I'm the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, an independent website covering Orlando City, the Orlando Pride, Orlando City B, and all things soccer-related in the city beautiful. This podcast, of course, covers the men's side, and we have another sister podcast, uh, Scoperp Soccer, which is our Orlando Pride podcast. So, now you know way too much, and uh, I'm going to take that opportunity while you process that information to welcome my co-host up in Tallahassee, Florida, David Rowe. Dave, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, hopefully, everybody has indeed figured out if they are at the correct podcast or not. If not, no worries. A little later in the week, Scoperp will be out. Yeah, this one drops uh, the day before Scoperp, so if you're if you're not receiving it in your feed, that's because you haven't signed up for it you haven't subscribed to it it is out there it is available please go find it and subscribe to it and if for whatever reason you can't you can always go to the scope per soccer page on our website and uh, listen to it directly right there but uh, it should be available everywhere spotify google apple all that stuff so uh hopefully it's, it's better to subscribe because then you don't have to worry about remembering to go look it's just going to show up in your feed Exactly. Exactamundo, as Fonzie used to say. Fonzie, kids. Not was. even going to explain that reference. I don't care. <laughs> if they don't know, they don't know. <laughs> All right, Dave, uh, we put off talking about it, but Orlando City lost at home again. 3-1 oh, to DC United. It was, uh, again, this was a lot like the Nashville game as it played out. It was kind of Orlando City seemed to be in control of the game, except for the few moments that it wasn't. It was... It's a little frustrating because the team isn't generating really good scoring chances against the teams that like to sit deep and wait for you to make a mistake. Uh, there's a reason teams play like that because it can be very successful and it, it, it especially can be successful against an Orlando City team that's still struggling to find that cohesion in the final third with some of the attacking pieces. The, uh, the Lions went with the three in the back again. And again, it was a little problematic at the start of the game, but I thought they, again, settled in nicely. If they had just not turned the ball over, they probably would never have gone behind early before the wonderful goal by Duncan McGuire, who was uh, starting to make a habit of scoring, which is a good habit that we would like to have more players get in on. 
but uh, it was a, a, a a rough start in some respects, but I don't think they took nearly as long to settle into the game against DC as they did against Minnesota. No. And, and you're starting, I think to see, um, better passing, um, the, the communication between the players is getting better. Uh, you know, there's, there's less errant passes, but it still breaks down. As you mentioned, once they get up closer to the goal, it, it they can't find a way to get inside. And it, I, I don't think that this stat has changed any since I last looked and that all of Orlando city schools have come inside the 18 yard box and none are coming from outside, which is where they're taking some of the chances, which is statistically not working out for them. No, but it, at some point you've got to zero in and, and score a few so that teams can't sag quite as deep and, uh, and create problems with getting in the box. But the, uh, we're not really sure. We, we think that the shape was just kind of a coach's decision in, in terms of what Oscar thought gave them the best chance to win. And that was kind of made a little bit easier when you figure in that Michael Halliday still out with an injury. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. Luca Petrasso picked up a knock late in the week and, and had to be held out for further evaluation. And that's, you know, we want to give players the podcast bump, not the podcast bruise. Right. Yeah. Luca took that one the wrong way, man. Um, you're supposed to go out there and score a goal, not, uh, not go out there. Yeah. Podcast bump was a little too hard last week. We were a little, <laughs> we were a little overzealous with the podcast bump. But, it seems uh, so. Get well, Luca. We, uh, we hope you have a speedy recovery. We hope that it wasn't anything long-term and we'll have more about injuries in a little bit, but, uh, Orlando city again, uh, this was an Ivan Angulo turnover. Uh, there's a, there are places on the field where it's really dangerous to turn the ball over, and he found one of them. And mm-hmm. I thought made a play that he didn't really need to make. I thought there were safer plays that could have been made there, and he turned the ball over. It was a quick pass from Cliche to uh, Juan, and of course that left Juan and Taxi Funtis basically in a two V one foot race with Robin Janssen. Now the problem here, when you consider that is that it doesn't matter which of those two DC players you're talking about, they are much faster than Robin Janssen. So, you know, Robin kind of drifted left and and protected his side of the pitch as best he could figuring maybe you, you kind of tried to get into the passing lane, but you know, good for Funtas to, uh, to sort of hold up and give, give Juan a, a bigger target. And um, that was just really good instincts on his part. Juan made an accurate pass. You know, that's not always the case, but he did in this case. And Funtas got in behind and you could just count it when he gets in behind because he's got Orlando's number. He has five goals in three games in his career against Orlando city. And it's, it's a little annoying, uh, but it was one nil. Uh, you're incorrect. It is very annoying. Not a little annoying. And yeah, I think like a third of his goals he scored have come against Orlando city, something stupid like that. It's, it's so annoying. I, I, we're going to move on because I I don't want to talk about it anymore. Other than to say one of my key matchups was not letting him score. Yeah. Well, not letting them score is definitely a good matchup to, to pick. No, but specifically him. I know. I know. Uh, but, Orlando responded well to the goal against they got one of their own, a very nice tackle from Antonio Carlos to knock the ball to Martin Ojeda. Ojeda turned, found McGuire 
perfect through ball to split the defenders and set up McGuire, who took one really nice touch before launching the ball past Tyler Miller and made it 1-1. Just a That's the kind of goals we've been looking for this season and and that have been on the cusp of happening but haven't been happening. And finally, one actually happened. Yeah, and I... Every bit of that play was perfection. So as you mentioned, Antonio Carlos, you know, getting the tackle, the ball squirting up to Ojeda, Ojeda picking his head up, making a really, really nice pass. And then McGuire's, like you mentioned, that touch. So he he put his left foot out, grabbed it with his toe, settled it just enough that when he came around with the right, he was in perfect position to score the goal. All right. When you said he put his left foot out, I... I kind of thought you were going hokey pokey on me. Well, as as long as he didn't, yeah, he didn't uh, he didn't shake it all about, but he did shake DC with the tying goal. It was a a really nice counterattack movement and very precise. And this these are the kinds of precise passes and precise shots that have been missing from the offense. But it it looked good at that point. We get to the half and we are we're all knotted up at one. Yeah, and look, feeling okay at that point. I mean, I, I knew it wasn't going to end there because I think my prediction was one one. So, and that if that's at half, then there ain't no way. Um, but but yeah, that McGuire leads Orlando City in goals with three right now. Yeah, and it's scoring has been an issue, but uh, that's that's just uh, the way it is. It's it's funny. We will probably talk about this more on our, our show later in the week, but there have been um, some upset people as, as you will have. Uh, you don't hear about them when Orlando goes to Philadelphia or Minnesota and wins a game. You hear from them very loudly when they lose at home. And if you look at the stats uh, or standings based on the same point in the season last year, a year that Orlando city did not have to, uh, split some focus early in the season on Champions League. Orlando City is one game behind where they were a year ago. They have a game in hand uh, against basically everyone ahead of them in the table. So it's not panic time by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, if you, all you got to do, yeah, you can look at Seattle and LAFC and say, oh, yeah, those guys were in Champions League too, and they're doing fine. Yeah, they are. They, I don't think that the West is as tightly packed from top to bottom as the East. I think there are some clear-cut haves and have-nots in the West to a, a degree that there isn't in the East. And also, I think that both of those teams got easier Champions League draws, certainly, than Orlando did. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, you know, T-Grace was, uh, we mentioned it at the time, I was about, oh, okay, well, that's pretty much the hardest draw to get mm-hmm. uh, for Champions League, but I, it is what it was. Orlando acquitted themselves well, but regardless, um, 1-1 at the half yeah. and Still going to the second. Yeah. Yeah. Lions are, by the way, 3-3-2 three, three and two now. And uh, if you look at Philadelphia, a team that's seemingly much more complete and made the final last year, they're three, four, and one. They played one more game and lost it. So it's not just Orlando. Yeah. This does have an effect on teams, but uh, especially teams that are, are trying to integrate so many new pieces. So we'll we'll save that discussion, I think, for the, the next show. But um, get to the half. Everything's in good shape. And then, uh, you know, things are kind of in good shape. You, 
until they're not really again Orlando seemed to control the play there was never really a prolonged period of time where they're on the back foot in this game and really everything that they did wrong was their own making to get into the final third you had Angulo had a nice chance to get forward on the on the attack on one occasion and decided to cross into the the wall essentially uh, just a terrible cross he did make one nice uh, cross pass uh, pass across the box to Ojeda and Ojeda had every bit of brilliance in his mind of what he was going to do with it and his feet just didn't obey he he took it with a little bit of a flick to clear himself of the defender so he could shoot it left-footed and have no defender in front of him he just took a little bit too heavy of a touch and it bounced to Tyler Miller so there's that that opportunity and another opportunity where they came forward in the attack and Torres dished off to Cesar Araujo for a wide open shot and he shot it right at Tyler Miller. So there were opportunities to go and win this game, but unfortunately that didn't happen. Instead, the opposite happened. Uh, Duncan McGuire got injured and came off the pitch. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that it was, it was during a set piece uh, You know, when DC was lining up for a set piece, they go out there and I don't know what happened, but I, I, I can tell you that when you have three center backs on the pitch, and DC's got Donovan Pines on the pitch. You probably don't want Cesar Araujo to be the guy that's that's defending him on a set piece. So I don't think that the coaching staff would have wanted that. I think that's a player mistake, a, a marking mistake, rather than um, a, a tactical mistake in, in how they are lining up. But uh, Donovan Pines just basically overpowered uh, Araujo and went up and headed into an empty net, essentially, from point-blank range and made a 2-1. It was... Uh, Araujo and everyone on the team surrounding the referee looking for a call. Uh, no call there. And and I don't necessarily have a problem with there not being a call for that. It was a much bigger, stronger player overpowering a, a smaller guy. But the precedent had been set at the other end earlier in the game that, you know, when Orlando did it, it was a foul. Right. And we've always stated that consistency from refereeing uh, would be preferred. We've also stated that it never happens that way for Orlando city. So nobody should be surprised that it was a different call. And as always, we have always stated that pro going to pro pro going to pro, but um, you know, not to blame it on them. That was just uh, one of those things that, you know, sometimes fouls are spotted. Sometimes they're not, it wasn't overturned. Didn't really seem to be much of a, a delay for any kind of a review. So we play on it's two, one and, uh, you know, you're looking for that equalizer and and it doesn't come. And then uh, just a disaster on the other end when you've got, I think it were three chances to clear the ball out. Nobody could do it. And the ball eventually gets knocked back into Benteke. And, you know, he's an EPL player and he's a designated player and he's got a hell of a lot of skill. And he's a big, strong guy who was able to hold off Rodrigo Schlegel long enough to knock the ball to himself, turn around and fire and score the third goal and put the game away. Yeah, short of maybe actually fouling him, there probably wasn't anything that could have been done about that um, unless somebody was able to come in from the side and and you know get ahead on the ball as he's juggling it. But mm. regardless, uh, you know, Pedro wasn't stopping that ball and evidently neither was Schlegel. Yeah, and Rodri was in good position. He just, some guys are just physically hard to handle. Yeah. I mean, all you got to do is go back a couple seasons and watch what uh, Daryl DK did to guys. Yep. Sometimes uh, the bear gets you. Sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes the bear gets you. 
And we don't have the bear anymore. So we don't have the bear anymore. He is, uh, but he was on the pregame show. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, uh, a three, one loss, Dave, not one that we will savor, not one that we will want to think about very long, especially since now DC United is, uh, believe three Oh, and one in the Wayne Rooney era against Orlando city and a whole lot worse against the entire rest of the league. Yeah. Yeah. Darn those home games. I mean, darn those Wayne Rooney games. Oh, well those, yeah, sure. But um, you know, we had, we had that one wall draw against them earlier and that felt yeah. so good. It did, but it should've, felt like a loss because you gave up the goal in the 80th minute to tie it. <laughs> I know, but still should have known it wouldn't last. Yeah. They, they, you know, sometimes there are teams that just have your number and, and people that have your number and that's, seems to be DC. I mean, it's Orlando has been that team for other teams, so it happens. It's, it's yeah. one of the weird quirks of sports. It's like, there's always a team that has no business beating you and they do it anyway. And it's maddening, but that's sports. Ladies and gentlemen, sports ball in action. So, you know, then there's the, the typical, um, angst and anger and frustration being vented on social media and nobody having a very calm head. Uh, people saying things like uh, Pereja needs to be fired because he pulled his only good player off the field and get, they gave up two goals after that. Uh, that player was Duncan McGuire. He was hurt. He had to come off and McGuire wouldn't have figured in the, either of the goals against anyway. So, And uh, also, why are you blaming it on the coach if your team only has one good player? Yeah, and if your one good player is a rookie, <laughs> you got bigger problems. Yeah, so maybe there's a lot wrong with that statement. Uh, I think if you think about it, I, and a lot of people like to fall back on the got the tactics all wrong. I thought tactics were actually not the problem in this. I think there was some execution problems, but that's just and me. even then, even then, only on a few occasions. Yeah, it, it just paid for them. There were a couple isolated incidents. One. The first goal came on a transition that was started by Angulo turning the ball over. That's that's not tactical. Uh, then there's the set piece play. We just talked about how that's not tactical. Let's the players are marking the wrong guy, or wrong guy marking the marking the big guy and not doing a very good job of it. That's execution and uh, not clearing the ball out of your own area when the ball's in the air and there's 50-50 chance to knock it out. That's execution. So. Uh, none of those led to the three goals. Those were not tactical issues. The tactical part of it was, you know, I, I think people are scared of change. They don't like three in the back. Most of the league is playing that way now. Um, that's the way the game has evolved. And also, by the way, you don't have your starting fullbacks. So you have to adjust to that. You have to make some kind of concession to the fact that you don't have the guys that you want out there. And uh, you could maybe throw out Santos and Kyle Smith. I just don't know if the coaching staff thinks that's what gives them the best opportunity to win. I mean, clearly it isn't. Otherwise, they would have went with them. That's kind of what coaching is, is putting the team out there and, and, and setting your team up the way that you think will give your team the best chance to win. I thought DC was better in the second half than the first half. The chances really to beat them came in the first half and they were not finished. So, but still, I think overall, when I look at this and I was just having this conversation with our Nick Josie, I think that from a 
an overall game perspective, if you compare the way they played at Minnesota to the way they played at D.C., I think the performance was better against D.C., even though the result was better against Minnesota. Absolutely. I mean, I mentioned it right at the top that, um, you know, the passing has gotten better. I think the communication is better. Um, we're still missing that final piece to, you know, put the ball in the back of the net, but that, you know, we're, if, if it's four steps, we're on, you know, two and a half, three, you know, not one. And also, so that's good. Rome, not built in a day. I mean, yeah, you're trying a new thing. It's not going to work instantly. It needs some time to, you know, coalesce a little bit. So, you know, I don't know. Everybody wants to go back to that comfortable four, two, three, one or four, four, two. But, um, you know, the, that's just not what the way players or teams are, are setting up these days. And we will see how it goes moving forward. We'll see what adjustments are made. But it it took it took the, the coaching staff a little while last year to figure out how the new pieces would best fit together. I think there's a little bit of a bigger problem this year in terms of making that work because I think the depth is much better this year. So it's even harder to figure out which pieces need to be out there and where. Yeah. I mean, I look dagger Dan, I'm, I'm all for him getting more time, but who do you pull off? Yeah. And in his moments out there, Felipe's played well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, there's, uh, these are good problems to have. Yeah, I'm I'm not worried yet. It's we're we're eight games in. It's how many times have the Seattle Sounders got off to a, a terrible start? Everybody's like, oh, what's wrong with the Sounders? What's wrong? How how they're awful? And then they just start rolling everybody in the second half of the season, go off and you know, finish in the top two or three in their conference or win it, and then go on and do good things in the playoffs. So it's not the time to panic, it's not the time to get excited and get crazy and make all kinds of crazy suggestions and and tear the whole thing up. It's a, a process. It is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So that's, it's kind of where I'm at right now mentally on this. And there'll be, as I always like to say, there's plenty of time to panic later. There is. And, and let's, let's take this to its logical conclusion. Let's say that they listen to those fans who want Oscar out. And so they got rid of the guy who got you a trophy into the playoffs three years in a row. But let's say they do that. What happened the last time they got rid of a coach that quickly? Several times they've gotten rid of coach quickly and it hasn't, hasn't, uh, hasn't turned out too good right now. There's literally like one name I can think of that I would even, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would prefer him over Oscar, but I would say, okay, well, if you can get him, that's fine. And that's Jesse Marsh. (laughs) <laughs> right. But yeah. And I don't know that Jesse's looking to come back to the state side. So, you know, it's point being is that grass is not always greener, um, you know, and to keep that uh, going, he's put down the fertilizer. You got to give time, the grass time to grow on your side. Yeah. Uh, by the way, what's uh, me? What's what's Rexham's manager doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, man of the match, Dave. Uh, for me, I'm going with Ojeda. Um, he had that absolutely beautiful pass up to Duncan McGuire, who McGuire had a good game too, and, and he got the goal. But for me, um, it was Ojeda. He had 73.7% passing completion, two key passes, um, you know, did some good things pretty much the entire uh game until he came off for Urjan. But um, 
yeah, I felt he had, you know, I felt he had a good game. There were a few that did, but uh, for me, it's, it's Ojeda. Yeah, it's a good it's a good choice. Uh, also, I think Facundo Torres played well. I have heard a lot of people complain about his performance, but if you believe who scored.com, he had five key passes. If you believe MLS's website, he had six key passes. Some of those got to get turned into goals. Look, the, the angst surrounding Torres is not going to go away until he starts getting goals. Exactly. It, it, it absolutely isn't, but uh, he is trying to contribute in other ways and we'll see how it goes, but um, I'm going to go man of the match. I'm going to go ahead and say dunk on him. America and Orlando runs on Duncan and uh, I'll go with McGuire for this one. Great pick. Uh, he was my number two pick for this. So uh, hard to argue with you there and uh, good on the good on the rookie, man. God, just keep scoring goals, buddy. Exactly. Yeah. He's uh it's a bit of an aberration. Like all of his shots have been on target so far in league. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh the only thing I think he's put off target was that one that fizzed over the bar late against Tigres that could have been like a a, a folklore goal for Orlando City if it had yes. gone in. Um but you know, you can't let the, the rookie get a big head too early. <laughs> No, no. Oh, we we talked to him. I think he's yeah. going to be all right. He'll be all right. Uh, we hope he's all right. There are two key injuries in yeah. this game. One of them, Duncan McGuire, apparently a hamstring, but uh, we'll wait and, and get a full report from the club. The other, Mauricio Pereira, went down in this game. And if, uh, if those two guys are unable to go, uh, it's not great news. The great news is that there are players that can step in and fill those roles this year that are of higher quality than in, in maybe in some years past. So mm -hmm. it also might force uh, Oscar to play a double pivot, which could be uh, Cartagena at the eight. It could be Dagger Dan at the eight. Um, it could be Felipe at the eight. I mean, I know it just uh, comes down to who's grasping what he's putting down uh, in training uh, a little better, who, who he feels more comfortable with. So we'll see how that goes. We'll also see if Cara returns to the starting lineup. Or if we go back to Ramiro Enrique, who is really struggling to get even touches of the ball. Um, and, and both Cara and Enrique struggled to get touches in the second half of that game uh, after they came on. The uh, part of that was also, too, that Ojeda came off. And Ojeda is probably one of the better passers on the team. And then Pereira came off, and he's one of the better passers on the team. So you're making those runs, and the ball's not coming to you. You're not going to get a lot of touches. So. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, at the end of the day, Lions are in that nine spot, which I believe is the play-in game, the eight-nine play-in game at the moment. But I mean, come on, we're eight games in. We're not we're not talking about the playoffs at this point. It's it's ludicrous to even discuss it. So three straight losses, three losses and a draw in the last four at home. That's not ideal, but I do believe. <laughs> that the mean will be reverted to eventually just like it was last year. Eventually those road, those road wins went away and the home losses went away. I think that'll happen again this year. It's just getting the balance, right? They just haven't done it yet, but they've got another game Saturday against the LA galaxy to get it right. And it's at home. So there you go. Yeah. Another, another chance to win at home or lose or draw. We don't know the future. Those are all three options. Yes. Sometimes it rains. 
Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> we move on. Uh, we've still got plenty of show left. We've got our OCB game to talk about. They hosted the Baby Pigeons of New York City FC2 in a feisty game in Kissimmee. And uh, we, of course, have our mailbag box. We're going to get to all of that right after this. Dave, we are back, and it is time to talk about the Young Lions of OCB. Yeah, it is. The Young Lions have not had the home struggles that the senior side has had this year. The... uh, squad there at OCB came in with an unblemished home record and welcomed New York City FC2 to uh, Osceola County Stadium and got off to a fantastic start through a very unlikely source. And uh, I'm going to butcher his name because I'm really bad at names. But uh, I will say this. It was a monster first half of the game for one Nabi Kimbanguchi. I think that's close. I think that's in the ballpark who scored two goals. And uh, you don't normally see center backs scoring two goals in, in early in games, but that's what happened for OCB. Got out to a great start. Everything was going fantastic until stoppage time of the first half when the center back from the other team or defender on the other team again just out of nowhere with a phenomenal unstoppable goal off of a corner kick that maybe should have been a goal kick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, three center back goals to start this crazy match out, which I I did get to watch. And it was, um, uh, at first it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching, uh, um, Oh, now I'm going to butcher his name anyway, (laughs) putting both of them in with his head. Nabi. So, uh, Nabi. Nabi. Yeah. Gucci. So anyway, yeah, both, both with the head and, you know, well done on him for that. Um, and you know, up to nil, I'm watching this. I'm going, all right, young lines back on track. Let's go. The half hour mark. Kibun Gucci had a chance at a hat trick, just missed the top right corner with a header. That would have been something. Yeah. Yeah. A hat trick, a header hat trick. Uh, within the th- first 30, that would have been, I, that it would have to be some sort of record for OCB. I would assume. Yeah. There weren't a lot of center back goals. There weren't a lot of goals for OCB in the history of the team. Um, I was a little surprised to see our old friend, Rio hope gunned playing for New York city FC two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was surprising. I was, I was glad Otero was back though. Um, Mm -hmm. that made me feel that definitely made me feel a little bit better. Yeah. I kind of thought he was going to be out for a few games the way he looked when he left the Atlanta game. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, it was good to see him back in there and it turned out that it was really good to have him. Uh, even though in the, in this, you know, Samuel Owosu, uh, you know, he couldn't have stopped that shot at the end of the first half. So it's two, one little momentum for the visitors going in the second half. But, uh, then things looked like they were in pretty good shape when Owosu got a second yellow card. And so that happened in the 74th minute. It's 2-1. OCB is up a man and a goal. You're thinking they're just going to see things out. Yeah, should be fine. But it's OCB. There ain't anything easy about OCB. Some of the time, that is a squad that just likes to keep giving the ball to the other team. I don't know what they like about it. 
but something about it just really appeals to OCB. They just continue to do it. So they, I, I can only assume that they enjoy it. Um, perhaps we could work on being giving in other parts of their lives instead of giving the ball to <laughs> the yeah. opponents. Let's find enjoyment elsewhere, fellas. Sure. Um, there's charities out there. Come on. Yeah. Uh, but then the, uh, the manpower advantage went away in the 85th minute was Shaq Mohammed got a second yellow card and he was out and boom. Now you've got, uh, two teams down to 10 men and then, uh, and also by the way, uh, they had also already squandered the lead and given up a goal while they were up a man as uh, Nicholas Ben Alcazar uh, headed home on a, on a, it was off a set piece. It was a, a ball off the crossbar that Otero just about had tipped over. Uh, it came off the crossbar and New York city's guy was the first guy to it. So unfortunately, unfortunate defending and it's two, two, then you get Shaq sent off 10 on 10 two, two game. Thomas Williams again with a penalty uh, conceded, and and that's got to stop. Yeah, yeah, very much so because you know, you can only expect Otero to make so many saves, uh, and it's not going to happen all the time. But anyway, he's a homegrown player. I mean, if you if you've got a big defender who's a homegrown, you want to see him developing. I don't know if it's decision making or quickness or what, but uh, Thomas with another penalty conceded and. Uh, Things looked bad for the home team, but John Denny missed to the left. Might be pronounced Dennis, but it looks like Denny, like the French D-E-N-I-S. Um, he missed just wide of the post. And uh, so a little bit of a reprieve and uh, the game is uh, seen out. There was, I think they put the goal, a uh, ball in the net again, but I think it was uh, called back for an offside or something. So, so again, just escaped again, but they were, they were a little careless, a little slow to recover on transition opportunities, but they got through regulation and ended 2-2. And of course, those games go in MLS Next Pro, go to shootout to determine who gets a second point because reasons, Dave. Yes. Uh, messing around with how the game is, is MLS Next Pro's modus operandi. But uh, Orlando shot first and Jack Lynn scored and put his team up. Uh, to start this thing, and then the uh, the guy who missed earlier scored with as the first shooter for New York City FC. For me, the most unbelievable uh, penalty of this shootout was Juninho, who he just stood behind the ball. He didn't have a run up of like any kind. He just kind of jumped up and smacked the ball with his foot, and and it was in. And it was like wow, there's like, I've never seen somebody not like not have any run up. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty interesting to say the least. That took some, uh, it took some fortitude. Let's call it that. Intestinal um, fortitude. Yeah, uh, Jack Beer scored. Great name, but we don't like you because you're with New York City. It just kept going like that. Then it was three three, and then Moises Tablante failed to score, and then things were kind of in trouble. You, you're like, oh no, but not to worry. Because uh, Javier Otero stopped Matthew Myers and uh, it kept it even going into the last shooter. And uh, a couple more makes. Everybody was making it. It was There were some really good penalties in the shootout. Uh, and then uh, Kevin Gucci, all he does is score. He hits his penalty as well. <laughs> 
And then the fun began because Jonathan Jimenez scored for New York City to tie it up at after seven shooters. Uh, and then he kind of mocked Otero. Mm-hmm. Kind of mocked him. Also, there was a, a, a penalty that was uh, a little questionable whether it went in. It looked like it hit off the crossbar, but uh, uh, the ref called it good. It must have bounced down and hit behind the line. But uh, yeah, the the little taunting by Jimenez got him a yellow card in the penalty shootout, which was different. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, it went to the next shooter, and that was Abdi Salim, the uh, draft pick for Orlando City. He scored, and Stephen Turnbull scored, and uh, then we went you know, deeper into the sudden death and Thomas Williams makes up for his penalty, even though they didn't score on it by scoring his penalty with a left footed shot. And that set up Christian McFarlane for New York city. And he did not beat one Javier Otero. Otero makes the save. Orlando city B gets the second point. Kudos all around a really good game. And uh, of course, after the winning save, Otero wanted to have a word with the New York City players, uh, probably especially Jimenez, who had gotten in his face after scoring. And it was pretty funny because Otero was a pretty big kid and yeah. it basically took all of his OCB teammates to hold him back. I'm sure that he was just going over to to wish them a good game, everybody. Good game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's all it was. Here's a juice box. You know, certainly not a Certainly not a retort along the lines of, oh, you you want to make fun of me? Well, guess what? Scoreboard, baby. Exactly. All right. So uh, OCB remains unbeaten at home, although that technically is a draw. They do get the extra point for the shootout. So congrats to the Young Lions. And I'm uh, pretty happy with the way OCB is getting results this year, quite honestly. It's it's really hard not to be happy about it. I mean, compared to what it's been like in the past, yeah, you, yeah, uh, you, <laughs> As, know, you can tell you can tell by how much we're talking about it. Yeah, the OCB minute has stretched into about fifteen. Yeah, so their next game will be at home again, Toronto FC two on Sunday at six p.m. So go see the Young Lions play. All right, Dave, uh, what do you think about opening the mailbag box at this point? I love the mailbag box. Well, if you love it, then we must open it and we will do that. Uh, there's a couple of ways you can ask us anything here on the Mainland Podcast. As as you longtime listeners know, but you first timers might not know, you can email us at themainland at gmail.com. And we are happy to take your email and uh, read your question on the air, give you an answer. You can hit us up on Twitter at the mainland is our Twitter handle. T-H-E-M-A-N-E-L-A-N-D. Main like a lion's mane. At the mainland, use the hashtag AskTMLPC, and we are happy to answer your questions that way. Also, you can go to themainland.com itself. We've got this little uh, menu, and uh, it, one of those menu items is podcast, and there's little two little pop-ups, one for the mainland podcast, one for Scoperp Soccer. Pick the one you want. It actually doesn't matter. It goes to the same place. But each of those two pages has a little form you can fill out and uh, just scroll down past the player, the embedded player on the page. And there's a little mailbag box. Ask us anything um, header and just fill out the form, your name, your email and your message and uh, click the little button that says contact us after you're done. And it will send us that question. So lots of ways you can do it. And it's really surprising that we don't have like 7000 questions every week. 
It is. I'm not. I mean, it's probably good because it would take a long time. It but is good. We, we would probably have to start actually going through them and, and weeding some out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> if it got or, to that point. But it is surprising the, because it's, it's there's so many ways to ask us stuff, and it's so easy. It really is surprising. We don't have more questions. Yeah, and you know, we don't really want to split uh, the mailbag box off into its own podcast. That would really, that would really be extra, extra. That yeah, might have to be a Patreon paywall thing or something. I don't know. There you go. All right, let's go to our Gmail first. And this question actually came in in the middle of last week. I missed it. We were we were supposed to talk uh, about it last week uh, on the Friday show, uh, the show that dropped Friday. We just didn't get a chance to. So our apologies, Daniel Phillips. He's uh, he's got two questions here one that's that he starts with and one that says serious questions so i'm not sure we're supposed to answer the first one but i'm going to read it and we'll see what we come up with here okay daniel writes friends you've been challenged to a game of charades against the coaching staff which four first team players do you want on your side let's see i want uh schlegel yeah schlegel's the first the very first name that popped into my head Yep, There's nobody the more expressive choice. than he is. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's got to be Schlegel. I would think uh, Janssen. He, he gets pretty animated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could see it. All right. And then um, Pedro. He's got all those extra arms for, uh, you know, doing pantomime things. All right. And I would like to say uh Pereira but you know he's so stoic I'm going to go with Torres instead I would say I think I was thinking either Torres or Pereira or both of them because they are so competitive they seem to be two of the more competitive players on the team and that's what you want I think uh Cesar Araujo would be good because he will do anything it takes so Maybe he's good to have on it as well. And again, Schlegel was the first guy that came to my mind. So so I don't know if we're supposed to be on the same team with these four players or if we're each supposed to pick four. But um, yeah, let's just say that we've covered that question. Yeah, and, and at the very least, we, we had two that were the same. So yeah. All right. Uh, Daniel says, serious question. I was looking at some of the attacking stats across the league and noticed that the top five teams all have significantly higher dribbles per game than us. In some cases, double that of Orlando City. I would love to know if either of you have thoughts on the significance of dribbles per game as it relates to chance creation. And is this a potential growth area for Orlando City? I was going to say off the top of my head, um, and I'd ha- having not looked at any of these stats to see who's you know getting these dribbles, you know, the first thought is that it's, Probably some DP players uh, that are the type that you know are more likely to to take the dribble, make guys miss, and create some opportunities. So, I mean, that's that's my guess, having not looked at any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's the case, then you know what you're talking about there are individual efforts, and I don't know that that's exactly what Oscar wants. You know, for the team, you know, we mentioned the passing getting better, and I think ultimately that'll be where it's at. There will be half. There will have to be some but there already are. And I think once Torres finds his form, you know, you'll have a few more. I don't know that there's any one particular way to skin a cat when it comes to being successful in soccer. And I don't think necessarily that you have to be high in dribbles. 
I mean, I've done grades before and I've seen guys finish with three or four dribbles and and I know for a fact they had a terrible game. So I, I don't know. I, I would rather have good, crisp, one-touch passing myself. And it's really hard to dribble when you're having one-touch passing. It, it, it is definitely harder um, given that it, a more than one touch is required. Indeed. So I don't know that there's anything to that. I'm sure there's probably been a study somewhere. Uh, but, you know, you're going to have to ask probably more scholastic soccer watchers than us. And it could just be a, uh, a, a case of um, correlation rather than causation. Yeah, that's possible. But we appreciate the questions, Daniel. And I think that's all we have in the Gmail this week, Dave. Fortunately, we got a few in the Twitters with a little bit of drums. Um, and, and bear with me, listeners. So our own Ryan Smith, who you all remember from the other uh, the other week. Yeah, um, last week. Last week asks, is, uh, this is a Ted Lasso uh, question. Is Boat Guy, for those of you who are called up, Rebecca's future family that the psychic foreshadowed? Or is this all some head fake writing and it ends up as Ted in the end? Thoughts and predictions. And we're not going to spoil anything major with this question. No. But you now know from the question, there's someone that Ryan referred to as boat guy. You don't have any context. You don't know what that means. You don't know who it is. But there is a boat guy out there. This It's not a spoiler if somebody asks what we think will happen because we don't know what will happen. Yeah, um, we really don't. There's also the Sam angle. So I don't see with Sam or Ted, either one, you're looking at the icky boss employee relationship. I hope they don't go that way. And this, this writing group seems to be trending in a, in a, in a more enlightened uh, way of thinking in terms of social issues. So I would say, I hope it is boat guy, quite honestly. Okay. All right. It's entirely I also don't want possible. that stupid psychic to be right. That's part of it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, me either. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's not the case. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be boat guy. I, I, my preference is that he is a one-off, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, what happened in Amsterdam stays in Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, she, she had a good time and, and leave it at that. And that, why does it have to be Ted? I'm ready for Richmond to be out of the woods, be out of the dark forest. Yes, it's time to start making the hero's journey. All right. Uh, I think we sufficiently answered that. Um, we have one more from uh, Roberto Manzo, who says, after the loss to DC, is Oscar in the hot seat? Only with some of the fans. We will talk about this on our next episode in a little bit more detail. It'll be our, our opening uh, discussion point. But uh, I don't think that the Wilfs are contemplating a change. Uh, I don't think the GM wants to change. I've already stated that we're eight games in and we're kind of in about the same place as last year with a whole lot of season to go and, you know, more opportunities to get these guys on the field and figure out which pieces work best where. And we'll see, you know, Oscar's job is to figure it out. And I don't think the team's getting outplayed badly. I just think they're not. They're not filling the net in a way that, you know, keeps them out of danger of losing points and they're still above the line. So, you know, I I just, I will never understand a sports fan who wants someone to be fired and lose their job when a team is above the line. This is not a first place team. It is not a first place roster. 
It is not going to finish in first place. I hate to tell you that, guys, but it is not. There is a very good team in Philadelphia. There's a very good team in New England. There are very good teams throughout the Eastern Conference. We talked about it in our roundtable. This is a team that I figured somewhere between fourth to seventh place seems about right. And right now they're in ninth, but they have a game in hand. So they're kind of on pace for where I thought they'd be. Your mileage may vary. You may not want them to be in that area. I'm just looking at the rosters and saying that's realistic. It's deja vu all over again, really. Um, we had uh, we had these same discussions last season. <laughs> and then all that happened was an Open Cup victory uh, and making the playoffs again. And all those Oscar outbirds stopped chirping. Um, they're going to pop up whenever things are not going perfectly. And I think that's what's going on, as you mentioned, eight matches in. Not time to panic. In earlier seasons and years ago, we've told you when it's time to panic or when we've decided that we're panicking. <laughs> so if if we actually feel that way, we will let you know. We don't we don't hide uh that stuff. You know, we we give our honest reflections on on the clubs that we cover and our feelings on it. Sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong, but mm-hmm. you know, we don't we don't we never we're never lying to you guys. Yeah, I think that if you if you go back through the course of MLS history of this club. I thought they got rid of Adrian Heath too early. Mm-hmm. I think I was ambivalent about the timing of the Jason Christ firing. I thought they held James O'Connor on a little long uh, based on the results they were getting. And right now I don't see a reason to, to make a move. So is that it for the mailbag box? That's it for this, uh, this session. Indeed. Okay, thank you very much, everybody who asked the question. We, uh, of course, will have our second show later in the week. Uh, you can ask us anything by hitting us up on Twitter at the mainland with the hashtag AskTMLPC. You can go to the mainland.com and the mainland podcast page and use the form there, or you can email us at the mainland at gmail.com and uh, ask us that way. There's many ways you can do it. Also, we love it if you would. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. Make sure you're downloading us every episode. Rate us, review us wherever you are. If you're getting us on uh, Podchaser, if you're getting us on Good Pods, if you're getting us on Apple, Google, any of the places, rate and review. If you do it on Apple Podcasts, if it's a five-star rating and a review, we'll read it on the show and you know that'll be your opportunity to weigh in. You don't even have to be a, a founder to get on the show in that manner. Yeah, exactly. So that's going to wrap up episode 338. The only thing we have left to do is to say, go city.